Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. We welcome those of you again inside of studio, out of our broadcast booth, all of our listeners and our distributors worldwide, nationwide, listen to us here inside the studios of WNSC. Myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray from the DMV area. I know you've had a great week getting ready for some Mystic and WNBA playoff tune-up. I, this weekend, was at the UCF game where number 17 UCF put a statement in the nation's eyes, for sure. Oh, they definitely did. I was actually surprised. I wasn't Excuse me. I wasn't as surprised that they won. I was surprised in the manner of how they won. But then it kind of makes sense because, you know, Stanford is a, is a powerhouse team. They're a powerhouse name. But they haven't been playing like that for the last few years. And, you know, the, the first couple of weeks of the season, you started getting blown out by uh, USC, you know, things like that. And just to see to see their defense go look as bad as they did, especially against UCF. UCF uh, gave it to them. And it, it was great to see. I'm glad to see teams like that on the rise and come up and, and make a name for themselves and that's what UCF is doing right now. This they they are they, they deserve to be close to the top ten. I don't wanna rub it in, Mike, but I <laughs> had me a blast. I can't lie. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I was in the press box with with, with all of the uh, 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 all of the hierarchies. Let's just put it that way. You know, right. I was eating good, you know, had a couple couple uh, <laughs> uh drinks in the press boxes watching the game. Had a chance to go to the locker room, talk to Josh Heupel, some okay. of my buddies on the team, Josh Kelly and others. He knows his name uh, and, and some of my other buddies in the locker room. But, I mean, just to see us beat down on a Pac-12 team, first of all, a David Shaw team. Right. He, he's one of the premier, uh, you know, you know, black uh, African-American head coaches in college football. Just to see us beat a David Shaw, and we know David Shaw teams play really good defense and they're well-disciplined. To right. come – at here, cross country in our building, and to beat down on them like that. I know KJ Costello wasn't a hundred percent, but I just think that it was a great atmosphere. The vibe was electric. Um, sellout crowd, over forty five thousand, you know, in attendance, and 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 that was that itself was just a milestone and monumental for us. And me just hanging out in the press box, I thought that that was pretty cool. There, um, even Mark Jones from ABC. Uh, in the far end of the press box, who weren't with him, he said something pretty interesting. UCF might be the best team in the state of Florida right now, so that might be something up for debate uh, as well. So, okay, uh, <laughs> definitely had ourselves a, a fun time here, but nevertheless, let's get right to it, Mike. Uh, but before we do, uh, there's some breaking news, obviously. Um, Big Ben out for the remainder of the season of the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he's been Iron Man, much what Eli Manning has been for the New York Giants for all these seasons. Um, Big Ben, the same can be said with him. Both of them came from the same draft class in 2004. Uh, both of these guys have been steady. They have been the constant for these franchises, being the staple and the franchise cornerstone player for them. Now he's out. Your Pittsburgh Steelers were the pick to come out of the AFC North. Uh, it didn't look good. Mason Rudolph looked promising late, but of course they lost to the hands of the Seahawks. 
Wilson threw for 300 and three TDs. So where, where do Pittsburgh go from here? And what do you, if you're Mike Tomlin, what do you do? Well, I think this is the beginning of the Mason Rudolph era. And the, 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 by default, they get a chance to see how, how well this kid is and how ready this kid is for NFL play. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I like what I see from Mason Rudolph. This is a guy who, you know, uh, he, it's not like he comes in and he it's just he has no idea of the playbook and has no idea of what, what he's doing out there. He actually uh, looks looks very poised and very confident, makes some solid reads, and he, he seems like a guy that can make things happen. Uh, do, do I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this division now that Big Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season? No, I do not. But do I think this team can be competitive and still, you know, compete for games, competing games? As motivated as they are, you know, Mike Tomlin still has a chip on his shoulder. I, I know he's going to keep these guys ready and prepared, but I, I, I have to change my division pick because I don't see them winning the division now that um, now that Big Ben Roethlisberger is not there. Faith out there, Pittsburgh definitely in tough times without Ben Roethlisberger. And you're right, Mike. I see Mason Rudolph playing Oklahoma State. I expect big things. I expect him and James Washington to get back together, a big duo together in Oklahoma State. Now mm-hmm. they're teammates here in Pittsburgh. So we'll see what he can do with him on one side and also Juju Smith-Schuster on the other. I think they'll be more run heavy with James Conner moving on forward. But we'll see what can be done for the black and gold. I will say this, I will say this though, Savvy. You remember when uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger made that statement about why are we taking a quarterback we need to win now? <laughs> it looks like a good pick now, doesn't it? It does, too. It does, too. You can never have more – you can never have enough quarterbacks because in this league anything can happen, yep. even if you're an all-time great. From there we go to New Orleans where Drew Brees can miss up to six games the Saints not only had NFC South aspirations, we're talking NFC title to Super Bowl aspirations, um, but we'll get to the Saints later and what happened this weekend. But Drew Brees just missing and, and potentially can miss up to six weeks. What does this mean, Mike, for the Saints? Teddy Bridgewater is the highest paid backup in the NFL, and I know they love to use Taysom Hill and that Wildcat package. I expect Sean Payton to do a lot of creative stuff with him, but Drew Brees in a loaded NFC South where the Bucks got a big win this this uh this past weekend and of course Atlanta was our pick to come out of the NFC South. So when New Orleans gets back and, and potentially Drew Brees in maybe week 9 or week 10, could we see uh, uh, the Saints potentially missing the playoffs here? No, I don't I don't think so because it's only a 6-week period and throughout I see Teddy Bridgewater possibly winning this team uh Two, two to three games. If he can go three, if he can go three and three <clears throat> in these six weeks, um, then, then that'll give Breeze a, a great chance to close out the season and get them a solid, and get get them into the playoffs, but get them a solid seating because I think I think that's the key. I think that's that's the biggest key for the New Orleans Saints. They play amazing at home in the dome, but when they go on the road, they could be a little shaky sometimes. So I think the biggest key for the, the Saints right now is to try to go five hundred with Teddy Bridgewater and let Drew Brees finish those last. Eight eight games for the the last in the stretch to get them into the playoffs because they need they need a top seed so they can get at least one playoff game at home. Definitely, there they they need to and a loaded NFC South with Atlanta getting a big win on Sunday night. Of course, we'll get to them later on, and also the Buccaneers going into Carolina and getting a big wins. A very very competitive 
NFC South for sure. So, well, let's let's stick here to the the NFL games. You know, let's let's go ahead and start off, Mike, with what we saw in Week Two, um, and, and we'll go ahead and start off with the Patriots, Mike. Um, <laughs> it, it's 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 not even fair. Uh, you've got Edelman in the slot. You've got now Antonio Brown getting acclimated to the offense. He still has to learn some of the playbook, but you get him with his talent on the outside to pair up with, um, you know, uh, Josh Gordon, and then they have depth with Dor- Philip Dorsett. And then, of course, you got the backs off the back field with James White and Rex Burkhead. It's not fair to have Tom Brady. And, I mean, like, could we be seeing 16-0 and for the Patriots? And can we also be seeing 0-16? I think both of those are very likely. I think I, I really, I really do. I think the Miami Dolphins have been so bad this year. That I think they're more likely to go zero sixteen than the Patriots go sixteen and zero. But, but uh, yeah, I think it's very likely for both teams. I mean, the Patriots look dominant, and to be honest with you, uh, assuming health, I don't, I really don't see a team beating them throughout the entire season. But we'll see. It's the NFL. You never know. Yeah, any given Sunday, you're gonna get every opponent's best shot for sure. And you're in New England, so you yeah. already know. <laughs> definitely going to get every team's opponent. Here's a stat for you, Mike. Since the AFC title game against Patrick Mahomes, where they gave up 31 to him, since then, that means the Super Bowl and the first two weeks of this game, Patriots have outscored their opponents 89-6. to Think about that. Yeah. Dominant, dominant performance by Bill Belichick's teams. They have been ready and have definitely surpassed his game plan for sure. Uh, Thursday night, we saw the Bucks go into Carolina and definitely beat the Carolina Panthers on a fourth down stop by Vernon Hargraves, stopping Christian McCaffrey. Not easy guy to bring down, Mike. Uh, on a fourth down play, Cam Newton hasn't been the same since this 2015 MVP campaign. He hasn't been the same. We haven't seen the flair, the dancing, the pizzazz, the happy cam. Uh, since that 2015 season, we don't know if it's the shoulder. He hasn't been accurate. He's been missing wide open targets. And so where is the, should, I mean, is it North Turner? North Turner is a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame coordinator. Is it him? Is it time for the Panthers to look for a, a secondary project at the quarterback position? Where do the Panthers go from here? I think I think one of the biggest things that the Panthers have is they have a combination of Cam Cam is not to be absolved from any blame because he is um he has been a- inaccurate uh, for for some for some part but but the Carolina Panthers have also done a terrible job of giving them weapons uh, to have a legitimate dispo- at his disposal they haven't been winning and a lot of that has to do with the pieces around him like the running game McCaffrey has been solid since he's been there but before that. You know they didn't have a consistent running game after uh, that Super Bowl run, and then you have guy and then Cam Newton. I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he's healthy at all. And, and it's, it's some of the some of not only his play on the field is making it obvious, but some of the play calling is making it obvious. That fourth and one play <clears throat> down the goal line where they gave it to Christian Christian McCaffrey to on the left side. Sabi, how many times have we seen Cam Newton just run right up the gut on a fourth and one play? Numerous and times. Get a yard Numerous times. And get a, it's, it's so easy for him and, to and just that, that what's And that is what makes Cam Newton special. 6'5", 250, that can just take hits and bulldozer you. We saw that in Auburn. We saw that a little bit in Florida, backing up Tim Tebow. And we saw that earlier in his career in Carolina. And they've just gone away from that. 
They've gone. They've gone exactly away from it, and and they've gone away from his strengths. And one of one of his one of his key biggest strengths is is not only what he can do with his arm, but what he can do with his legs. And we haven't seen that effective cane with his legs in quite some time. And and also, I mean, it was, since we're talking about this game against the Tampa Bay, let's give them credit because their their defensive line showed up and had a game. But and their game plan was the blitz came and not give him any time in the pocket. But my goodness, I mean, can he get a left tackle? I mean, the the offensive line was getting abused, especially that left tackle. I mean, Shaq Barrett was in the backfield. It seemed like every play, if he didn't get a sack, he got a hit on Cam, he got a hurry, or he was in his in, in, to the point where and mentally he was in his head to where it threw him his timing off a little bit. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the pieces around him, and also the fact that Cam is is hurt. He's very he he's hurt right now, and yes, he has North Turner, but he's only had North Turner for the last year and a half or so. He like. Before that, he was, you know, he had makeshift this this offensive coordinator, this offensive coordinator. When you continuously switching coordinators and switching pieces to put in in your in your uh, organization for your quarterback, there's no continuity there, and that, that can affect the play of your quarterback. And that's what we're seeing right now with Carolina. Meanwhile, this is going on. There's a game in MetLife Stadium, and Mike, I don't know if you know this, if you heard, but. Uh, Odell, it's only it's only fitting for Odell <laughs> Beckham to come back to New York and make a spectacular grab. Oh. I mean, that's that's just that's just unreal talent. You can't teach that. I mean, if you're a secondary coach or if you're a defensive coordinator, you can't game plan and scheme for that. There's there's no way around it. Baker to Odell Beckham. <laughs> it was. It, it was special. I saw, I saw it live when it happened. It was special. I was like, wow, man. It, you know what's crazy, Sebby? Sometimes when I see those type passes, it makes me even more mad as a Giants fan of why we got rid of him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, that's, he's an incredible <laughs> talent. Just one incredible talent. As it stands right now, the Browns are up 13-0. Uh, Nick Chubb, 24-yard rub, uh, rush up the gut. And it's 13-0 in the Meadowlands right now with the Browns and the Jets. We'll keep an eye on that as well. Um, a, a game that we both got wrong, we uh, – well, you had the, the the 49ers. I had the Bengals. I thought I, I thought last week that we <laughs> saw something. I guess it was a fluke, right, Mike? <laughs> I thought I would saw something, but I guess in the jungle in Cincinnati, you know, I thought that the Bengals, you know, home crowd would make it a little bit different for – an opposing team like the 49ers to come in there. But, unfortunately, uh, it's the same old, same old Bengals. <laughs> what a day for Garoppolo. Three TDs, 297 through the air. Uh, you saw guys like Samuel and Matt Breda, who's got a role in this offense, really taking. And the team that we said was a sleeper this year, off to an, a, a, a sizzling start right now, the 49ers. They sure are. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call this that week one uh, game they had in Seattle a fluke. You know, when you're going up there in that 12th man, you, 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 plus you're on the road, everybody comes up with their best shot. You know, plus it's week one. You know, everybody feels good about themselves coming into week one, first game of the season. You don't really know if you're going to be good or bad or not. You just want to go out there and compete. And I don't think that was a fluke. But I think uh, I think this week two uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals, they showed just how, the type of team they are, full of talent, full of, uh, full of pretty solid players on their team, but no cohesion and no team. I just, you just don't see it when you see this Bengals team. We saw it with the Marvin Lewis era, and we're seeing it right now post-Marvin Lewis. Uh, the 49ers went in there and balled. Uh, that, that defense for the San Francisco 49ers looked legit. 
the defensive line yeah. was all over uh, Andy Dalton and, and those boys. And, and, and Mike, I, I, I talked about it. They have, may have the most talented in the NFC. I don't think it's the best. It, it looks like the best right now, but they have that talent. Solomon Williams. Oh, yeah. Solomon Thomas, excuse me. Thomas, Solomon yeah. Thomas and DeForest Buckner, Nick, uh, uh, the, the brother. Oh, uh, Bosa was looking name? good. Nick yeah, Bosa, Nick Bosa. Bosa was I mean, good. it's time. I mean, Mike, it's only fitting, right? It's time for all those top five picks to become something. And and, and they look they look very good together, and that is really is really helping the back half of that defense because they're not blitzing very much. They're, they're, they're just sending, coverage sacks. They're sending four. They're sending normal four down linemen, and they're getting to the quarterback. They might bring one or two extra guys here and there, but other than that, I mean, Kawan Alexander, the guy they got from Tampa Bay. I mean, he had a ball game. I mean, he's going to be a, a big-time piece for them. And it's just they have very solid pieces on this defense and all, all around with this team. Like you said, Matt Breida, 120, 120 yards on 12 carries. I mean, he's a special, very underrated player. They have one of the most underrated tight ends in the game and Greg Kittle. You know, Jimmy G, he just has so many weapons to work with. And he had a very solid game as well. Yes, he threw the interception. But for the most part, he had a very solid game, man. I was proud to see the 49ers handle their business, go on the road, and, and, and just dominate. They absolutely dominated the Bengals from start to finish. It, was, it wasn't even close. Wow. Seahawks 2-0, Niners 2-0, and now the Rams 2-0. Mm-hmm. A very loaded NFC West for sure there. Um, and, and next, this just in, Mike, the Lions won a game. The Lions have won a game. You know, I, I don't know what to make of this. It, 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 did the Lions really win this game? Matt Stafford to Kenny Galladay. Galladay is big time, really big time. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers that we have in this game from footwork to uh, his quickness from the line of scrimmage and to get separation. An outstanding route runner that not a lot of people talk about. But I leave this game, and uh, the Chargers really miss Melvin Gordon. Uh, When you talk about a guy that can convert third downs, not only – a third and, and, and manageable and my third and three, third and two and get those hard-earned runs uh, up the middle they, because you can't get that with, with Eckler, although he's a great uh, pass catcher and you could line him up in different facets of the game, but they miss the that part in, in hard-earned downs, but also the, the, the blocking ability of Melvin Gordon. Right. He's an underrated blocker when he picking up blitzes, where it comes to pass protection, and so I, I leave this game with the Chargers and 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 Philip Rivers misses his security blanket. Oh, he absolutely misses his security blanket, and this is what I was preaching about Melvin Gordon early on when when we when you know the he was in the same contract talks like you know Ezekiel Elliott holding out and things of that nature. Yes, he's not the stature of a Sa- he's not a Saquon Barkley or he's not a Todd Gurley or a Zeke, but this brother is special. He's one of the top six running backs in in football. You know, he with his his agility, his elusiveness, what he can do between the ta- he can run between the tackles, he can run outside, he can catch balls out of the backfield and make plays in the open field. This is a special running back that and and he was very special and very you he was used a lot for San Diego. He was one of their keys to success last season and uh, the year before when they when he wasn't hurt. I mean, this brother is very is is, is the real deal and. You know, it might it might not show in week one or two or a couple of weeks, but it obviously it's gonna show. It's gonna it's gonna re- show his rear head, and they're really gonna miss Melvin Gordon a lot in the latter part of the season. It's not really gonna hit him now. It's too early, but later on in the season, once playoff contention starts to get in the mix, that's when they're really gonna miss Gordon. And they showed it this past game. I mean, they just didn't look like they had the offensive rhythm against Detroit. And granted, 
I really do like this Detroit defense. This Detroit defense is very underrated and very slept on. It has some very key, some big time key pieces on this team. But um, but you're absolutely right. I feel like with on this team, they they, they would have came out with a victory and they would look a lot better because yes, they're one and one right now. But Sebi, they can easily be zero and two. They almost lost to the Colts week one. Yep, they absolutely did. There for sure. Uh, there, we'll keep an eye on the Chargers. They still got to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. So yeah. <laughs> you better get better sign Melvin Gordon rather sooner rather than later. Yeah. And Lambo, Vikings and the Packers, boy, and Rodgers got off to a fast start. Yep. In a fast start. He got Aaron Jones involved. He got Devontae Adams involved. Everybody was getting spoon fed. And then the Vikings defense started to get after him. Daniel mm-hmm. Hunter, yep. Linville Joseph, they started to feast on that uh, very veteran uh, Green Bay Packers offensive line. Now, you got guys like um, uh, Sutton and, and you know, Lindsey. All these guys are in their mid-30s now. Maybe the Packers start to invest in that in the upcoming rounds in the draft. But then late, Kirk Cousins, Cousin Kirk, Captain Kirk, he had an opportunity to win the game, and he blew it. The interception, tried to find Thielen, tried to force it to Adam Thielen in the corner right of the end zone. Dalvin, that that pretty much overpassed a, a big day from, from Dalvin Cook on the ground. I know I was a happy camper. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, the, the Vikings are having an opportunity to go in Lambeau and win, and Kirk Cousins uh, failing to do so. Your thoughts about this? This was a great game. It was a great game. I was very intrigued. I, I, I Packers, you know, I picked the Packers to win this game because I feel like this was a better defense that Kirk Cousins was going to have to face. And as it, it, sure, sure enough, it was. Sevy, we have something special going on in Green Bay that I don't think people are paying attention to. Green Bay, for the first time in a long time, has a legitimate defense, and they have a running game. You know, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had, I believe, twenty-three for a buck eleven. And, you know, he was very efficient, especially in that second half when, you know, it, when they weren't getting too much in the passing game. They, they were able to control the clock and control some drives and, and, keep, and keep things going on offense in that second half um, to, 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 to help them win that game. And it was special to watch. I mean, Jair Alexander had another great game. Uh, you're looking at guys like Preston Smith who, who, who dominated. Uh, uh, Zadarius Smith. I mean, these guys, they just have so many weapons on this, on this defense that's helping this offense out because Aaron Rodgers doesn't need much. But you give him a defense in a running game like this, oh, this team can go far and far. They're not going to win. They're not going to win as as fashionably as they normally do. You know, Aaron Rodgers making the flashy plays and, you know, uh, winning the game for them and doing all the dirty work. They might not win majority of their games like that. They might win some games on defense. But uh, but it's going to be special in Green Bay. And, and who knows, if they can keep this up, and, uh, and and get Aaron Rodgers back 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 in form and continue to look as good as he did in that first half. Man, this is scary. And and it, well, you're right. It was a great game. Minnesota was getting after it. Uh, to 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 get to get to your point about you know that offensive line going against that defensive line. The offensive line, uh, you know that was just a heavyweight battle. I mean, when you're going up against that great of a defensive line, sometimes you they get the better of you. The Packers get the better of them in the first half. The Vikings defensive line came right back in the second half and started dominating, getting to the quarterback. But like I said, in that run, when it came to the run, run blocking, the Green Bay Packers won that matchup for the entire game because they solidified that in the second half. And the, the Aaron Jones was one of the key reasons why they won the football game yesterday. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. It's one thing to 
lose to Andrew Luck, but it's another thing if you can't beat him without him. The Colts are now uh, – the Titans, should I say, are now 0-13 in the last six seasons against the Colts. Yeah. They just have the number. I remember it took Jordan about seven or eight seasons to finally beat uh, Mikael, uh, Bird, and, and, and Johnson back in the 80s. Yep. Uh, it, it took them eight seasons. So it, it seems as if that might be the trend for the Titans because no Andrew Luck. Uh, you, you're coming off an emotional win in – in, in, in Cleveland, where you really put a beat down on the on the Browns. I'm thinking you have all the momentum, but the Colts and and jo- Jacoby Brissett had other thoughts in mind, and they go in there and they get a huge division win. They, they sure do. They go in there, they handle business. And you're absolutely right. I actually, I actually felt like the um, I actually felt like the Titans was going to win this game as well and would have had a, at least a good chance to. But the, the, once again, this just shows that when it comes to divisional games, I don't care about momentum or anything. When when two divisional teams go against each other, it, it all bets off. Throw all the records out the window, throw everything out the window because anything can happen. And you, what you're seeing from this coach team is though they don't have Andrew Luck, you're they're, they're showing they're showing you the type of talent that they have outside of him, which made people like myself say that Andrew Luck can get this team to the Super Bowl. It's all on him. The, the, the Colts are as good as Andrew Luck can take them. But now you're seeing the talent outside of them on offense, defense, and special teams. This is a very talented football team. And Jacoby Brissett, although Jacoby Brissett is not Andrew Luck, he's still a very solid quarterback that can get the job done, that can get you down the field and game manage for you and get you some wins because he's a solid quarterback and he, he can make things happen. And that's exactly what happened on Sunday against the Titans. They were down 17-13. He came, he came right down the field. Had a couple field goal drives and they won the game, and that's what Jacoby Brissett can bring for bring to you for this team. Uh, he's not gonna score a lot of points, but he can he can manage the game. And with this running game that they have, things happen. Uh, this Indianapolis thing, Mar- Marlon Mack. I mean, this offensive line is, is is nasty, man. Yeah, led by Quentin Williams and Marlon Mack had himself a big day. We'll see what happens with Indy. Moving on forward, can we just give love to this guy? I mean, this guy is 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 good, man. Russell Wilson. I mean, oh, yeah. this 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 guy's really good. Oh, 300 man. yards, uh, three TDs through the air. DK Metcalf, his first career NFL TD. They go into Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. I know Big Ben got hurt, but that's still it, – it doesn't change the fact that Seattle with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, that combo right there, along with Breeze and Peyton, along with Belichick and Brady, that's as good as it gets, Mike. I mean, to travel to the East Coast, you know, with the with the time change to win in, in in Pittsburgh, it's not an easy place to win, even with or without Big Ben, with that hostile environment and, and that atmosphere that they've created out there throughout all these years. And to get a W is huge for the Seahawks. They go back home now, two and zero, and and the hundred and forty million dollar man getting every penny of that contract. Yeah, he deserves every penny, man. And you know what's crazy? How work. Hard work always pays off, Sebi. I know that sounds cliche. In the NFL since he's come in. And the unseen hours that he continues to put into his craft, puts into the new guys that come in. You know, story. You know, when he first got drafted to the Seahawks, there were times when him and Russell Wilson would wake up at 5 in the morning and, just, and get some throws and get their little rapport going early on. And that's just, it's, it's a testament to 
Russell Wilson's work ethic and what he brings to this team, this organization. It's a reason why he's getting two long-term contracts. Uh, so, you know, he's that type of player. He's He doesn't feel uh, he does. It shows week in, week in, and week out. And no, they don't really need the big top top key weapons. They they just need certain players that fit their system and that abide by what Wilson has to has for them. And then they can make things happen. And year after year, week after week, we continue to see Russell Wilson prove why he's probably a top five quarterback in this league. Definitely there. The Seattle definitely going to be a force to reckon with, I think, in the NFC with the way Russell Wilson's capability and how he's so, so good in the fourth quarters of ball games. Mike, Dak Prescott has done something that all the legendary Dallas quarterbacks haven't done. Tony Romo hasn't done it. Roger Starback hasn't done it. Troy Aikman has never done that. 70s and two-game span. You have to go all the way back to the 40s, the last quarterback that's done that. And for all of the critics and the naysayers that said Dak Prescott can't throw, he's inaccurate, I, I, you know, I look at Mitchell Trubisky and I said, okay, he's limited. But when I look at Dak Prescott, I don't, I don't see that. I, I, I see a guy that can make all the throws. I, I don't think he, he's got the arm strength like a Carson Wentz or a Patrick Mahomes, but he's got good enough velocity where he can get the ball in tight windows. He can get the ball to his targets. You see in a second, the growth in a second year, man, like with Michael Gallup, the, the addition of Randall Cobb in the slot has paid dividends, and then we know what he can do with Amari Cooper. And then you bring him towards like Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield and Pollard. The Cowboys look good. They look real good. <laughs> yeah, they look real good. They, they do. They do. But I, and, 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 Mike, I know it sucks to talk about this, but this was the Redskins defense that was a little bit better than the Cowboys, than the Giants defense, but he did pick them apart. A lot better, a lot better than the, than the Giants defense. And you're absolutely right. He did look good against the Scans. He looked, he, he looked good against my New York Giants. You know, he has looked good in these first two weeks. I cannot take nothing away from Dak Prescott. I just want to see how this season manifests and what, what happens. Because right now, they're relying a lot on Dak and not on Zeke. And I just want to know how long is that going to manifest? Are we going to see that this type of game Cowboys throughout the rest of the season? Are we going to see this moving forward? Because because I'm because I'm I'm just waiting. I'm just wondering when is this Zeke workload going to come? Because right now for these first two games, yes, Dak Prescott has been the man, the leader on this on this offense. But they didn't pay Zeke all that money uh, just to get. Uh, uh, X amount of carries and 53 rush yards here and there. They they didn't pay him. They didn't pay him for that. So I just I want to see um, if that can keep this up and will will we'll he continue to get more touches? Because I don't know. I, I wanted to know what what uh I, I guess I say what which which route are the Cowboys' offense going in because we we know them for being running for going through Zeke, but right now they've been going through Dak the last few games. So. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. We'll find out. Uh, well, well, I mean, Ezekiel yet had 20 carries before that against the Giants. He had 13 carries. So I, I think the volume of carries are going to continue. I think they're trying to ease him in because he didn't have that full off season. He didn't have the OTAs. He didn't come to training camp. So I, I, I like the continuity of what I'm seeing with Keelan Moore and with Dak Prescott. It, so quote unquote, 
a quarterback whisperer. So I, I think Ezekiel Elliott up to 20 carries now. I expect maybe 23 to 25 next game. But uh, I mean, Mike, if you're looking for some sort of evaluation uh, for for the Cowboys to see how that works, I don't think next week is is the week that they played. The I see they have the Dolphins next week. So <laughs> look, if you're trying to evaluate something, it can get really, really ugly fast in Dallas. Here's the game that did not disappoint: the Lamar Jackson versus Kyler Murray. I think we're watching the next evolution of. Uh, quarterbacks in the next decade I said I thought Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes would be the next Peyton and Brady of uh, the next decade but I mean uh, look maybe Steve McNair and Michael Vick I mean (laughs) I I mean I I think both I think you know Kyler's a better thrower than both of them but Lamar Jackson and it put on a show 273 on the air 120 on the ground video game he's a joystick he's he's such a joy to watch mike and then kyler murray 350 against the baltimore defense in baltimore a lot of veterans haven't done that and so only cam newton in his first two starts in his rookie season has got a chance to throw over 200 yards in his first two uh, games as a pro and kyler murray has done that and so this game did not disappoint i think we're looking at the the new evolution of quarterbacks, the dual threat quarterbacks, and that that's that's can be the new age uh, theme going moving on forward. Oh, for sure, that's that's the route that the league is going into: dual threat quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can you know make up for an offensive line that might not be as as best, and you know just be able to uh, scramble with your legs along with what you can do with your arm. That's exactly what the league is moving to. Man. These two quarterbacks were the prime example of what what the future of the NFL is because these are two quarterbacks that not only can ball but can accurately throw as well. You know, we've seen that. We've seen the maturation process in both of them. I mean, you know, this is only Kyler Murray's second game in his NFL career, and this is only Lamar Jackson's second season. So we're still seeing the maturation process with both these guys, but you can tell that these guys are continuing to get better, continuing to grind, continue to learn. And they put on a heck of a battle yesterday. I mean, you could tell the competitive juice was going. Mike, I'm asking myself, how do you how do you game plan for these guys? I mean, you got to worry about the run. You got to worry about the, the deep ball. Uh, it's just it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's a, it definitely is a nightmare. But it, one, one of the things about it is, it's, it's one of the things you can't really game plan. You got to have the scheme and the players and discipline in order to keep to keep them inside, you know. Because cause with, with guys like Lamar Jackson and, and Kyler Murray, a lot of teams are going to run the triple option or things of that nature. So you just got to be disciplined on defense and in order to contain it. But you're right, these two put on the show. I was surprised uh, Kyler Murray was able to throw for this much against that Ravens defense. But um, but uh, it, was, it was definitely a great show for them. And that, that throw from Lamar Jackson to Hollywood Brown, I mean, that was just special. That, that was special right there. The ice it on third and eleven. Yeah, that, that's the future of the NFL, and I, it was a great time. Great, it was great to see it uh, last week. Not not bad for a running back, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, I will say this, Mike. I, I was one of the skeptic ones that that had a skepticism about Kyler Murray because of his stature, how he would play, how would his game from the collegiate game transfer to the NFL? Because how small he was, five eight, uh, pretty miniature. Um, but I mean. Thus far, I know it's a small sample size. He's answered questions. I didn't know he was this good of a pocket passer. The guy can throw darts. He's he's got a cannon of an arm for 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 a pretty short guy. And so I was one of the skeptic ones that said that okay, 
Well, you're doing this in college, but the NFL game, the speed is faster. You've got linebackers that can run four five that can track you down. But he's he's showing me it poise in this pocket where where he can throw darts in three fifty and against the Ravens defense. That was tops last year against the pass. That's not easy to do. So Kyler Murray may be showing me something and, and that's for things to come. This this matchup right here, I didn't get it, Mike. The Jaguars, ninety six yards to chart. Garden Minshew got them back in the ball game. They're running for two. They don't kick the extra point to go on the field uh, to go overtime. They run the ball with Leonard Fournette. Granted, he was you know half inches short, but I, I don't know. Doug Marone, you got to go for that extra point and send this thing to overtime. I didn't get that. I didn't understand that play call. I didn't understand it at all. And I think I think that was a simple case of a coach in desperation mode. He he realized that his points were hard to come by for that for the team. He saw his Excuse me. He saw his offense struggling majority of that game, so he didn't feel confident going into overtime. So he, he panicked, made a decision to try to get the game over with in regulation. And uh, you're absolutely right. It was a, it was a, it was a solid game. It was a very solid football game. It was it, it's sad to see it end like that, but you know I, it, I think that was just the case of a case of a coach just panicking. Definitely there. Must we say less about this matchup, Mike? Patrick Lavon Mahomes. Um, <laughs> This, 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 he's, <laughs> what else, what else must we say? <laughs> Patrick LaVon Mahomes. <laughs> Take it away, Mike. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's special, man. He, he, that, Oakland, that Oakland team, they came out, they came out aggressive and they came out ready to play. But, you know, it's only but so much you can do against a team with so many weapons and a quarterback that's as hot as Patrick Mahomes right now. And once he got going and once he started to find the deep threats and, and, and get the ball down the field, it was a wrap for Oakland. They couldn't. They couldn't. They can't hang with these guys. I mean, Patrick Mahomes just didn't, but didn't do anything but show his show his uh how how much he's matured in the past year and a half or so. Continue to grind, and you know he's got a big test coming up next week against Baltimore. We can't wait to see that one. But uh, this uh, yesterday against Oakland, he he got the deep ball going, and once he did, it was a wrap. Nothing like some division cooking for Patrick Mahomes against the Raiders there. The Bears, what a game was this was. Oh. I kind of missed the ending, but the Bears, I saw the Broncos, uh, you know, Flacco hit Emmanuel Sanders on an out route to, to take the lead. And then next thing you know, Mitchell Trubisky leads this Chicago Bears into field goal range, and Adam Pinheiro hits the game winner as time expires. They send the Bears back home in Chicago with a win. This had to be a big moment for the Bears and, and maybe to change their season because it, it, that's there's a big difference from going 0 and 2 into 1 and 1. Absolutely. And they, you know, it was it was a big it was a big win for the, for those guys. And um I think it was a, it was a big win for Panero as well. You know, coming off of, you know, how they how the Bears lost last year against the Eagles in the playoffs, you know, it, it's just mentally for the psyche of a kicker to 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 be put in a like come up stronger and to come out with the victory in that in that situation is big mentally for your team and you know this team is too good to be going down one and two and uh, it would have been t- it would have been tough seeing them do that and there was a battle of two teams that didn't want to go down one and two I, I know the the Broncos are sitting here like man what if but at the same time it was a close defensive battle and one team had the one team came out victorious and that was the Bears and. That definitely can propel them for this season because the the Chicago Bears 
have the tools to make it happen. It's all whether or not Mitchell Trubisky is going to uh, take that next step and mature uh, in, in, in his process of being a starting quarterback. And then on the flip side of this equation, the Broncos were your surprise team this year that was supposed to win the AFC West. Well, what do you make of this? Now they're training the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs two games behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trailer, they're training two games behind. It's, it's, it's early. And I didn't, I, I thought that game would have really helped. But um, my, my pick isn't looking too good right now. But I'm going down with this. Otherwise, you know, so I, still, I think their defense is going to win most games for them. But um, but right now it's not looking too good for me. Right. The, the, the question isn't the defense. Defense is good. You hold a team to 14, 16 points, you should be able to win. It's the offense with Joe Flacco that definitely needs some help. And, of course, America's Game of the Week, the center stage was in Los Angeles. And, and Mike, can, can the Saints ever catch a break? Oh, two years ago, last year with the P.I. call, and then Cameron Jordan – with the, the the fumble recovery, takes it back 94 yards, but they blew the call dead on the field. They went to the monitor to review it, and they couldn't change it. And I'm not saying that might have been an indictment for the Saints to perhaps win the game, but that pretty much changed the whole complexion of the football game because the Rams – went and scored in that possession and then scored again. And next thing you know, you look up, you were down 21-6 in L.A. It was not an easy place to come back in that Coliseum. And so, Drew gets hurt. Aaron Donald, I believe he's the best def- uh, player in football. not uh, Obviously, best defensive player. Of course, getting his hands on Drew Brees' thumb. We know what happened and his status for the next upcoming weeks. But is this more of L.A. or is this just bad karma for the Saints? It's a combination. It's a combination of both because I, I, I'm on record saying that, yes, that, that defensive touchdown by Cam Jordan may not have won the game, but it, it would have changed the complexion and, and it, would have, it would have shifted momentum back to the Saints side. You don't know what would have happened going up 10-3, to getting that defense back on the field possibly getting another stop for your offense and things of that nature. You you don't know the type of momentum that a big-time touchdown, defensive touchdown, brings to a team. It, it could have set things off tremendously for New Orleans. And, you know, watching them not only not only not get the touchdown, but get backed up and they, they get the ball like that for the team, that was sad because, <clears throat> excuse me, when I saw it live, it looked like a fumble live. Like it, it, looked, did. It, it looked just like a fumble. Like it didn't look like any, it didn't look like anything. It didn't even look like it was close. Like when I saw it live, I'm like, how can the refs blow this dead? Because I don't see any. I didn't see anything where I thought it would be an incomplete pass. So the refs dropped the ball on that one. They know they dropped the ball on that one, and it, it sucks. But I still don't see them winning that game without Drew Brees because you know the 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 Rams defense was just getting after it. And, uh, uh, Jared Goff and, and the offense were looking was just capitalizing on opportunities in the second half. They started to flex their muscles. I think that that's because they were dealing with a worn down, mentally worn down Saints team by that time. They knew at that point without Drew Brees, they, they just took a touchdown away from us. It's going to be almost almost impossible to win this game now because they, they're fully loaded and we're missing our franchise quarterback. And, and, and you saw the psyche of the team. It really went to a meltdown when, when, when they lost Drew Brees and also they didn't get that call. I mean, Sean Payton was living, and he has got all the rights to. Yep. This guy has had two potential Super Bowl appearances, got gone strained away from him, and and it's 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 interesting because it, there's a 
common theme for this. It's always done to the Saints and no other team but the Saints. And you would think the refs would know, of, uh, be aware of this. But for some reason, I guess the football gods, the, the karma's right there. But on the flip side, Mike, the Rams fans won't tell you this. They didn't have Cooper Cup last year for the remainder of the, the playoff stretch, meaning from week 10 on because he got hurt. Yep. And also he didn't play in the Super Bowl. But boy, I mean, him in the slot, you talk about Edelman as, as one of the premier slot receivers in the NFL. Cooper Cup, I mean, this guy, he's good. He's, he's good. He's, he's very good. He's very special. And I, I, love, I love watching him play. He could be a difference maker for this Rams team, depending on how he would have been a difference maker for that Rams team in the Super Bowl last year. Because he's Jared Goff's security blanket. You know, whenever you can't find nobody, he knows one-on-one Cooper Cup is going to win his matchup. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what the type of impact he makes later on in the season. But uh, I know, I know the Rams, especially Jared Goff, miss him. When you can have a guy uh, that big play that that Cooper Cup had in the third quarter, yep. he just took that slant and, and and slant and go and took it like sixty nine yards or something. When you can have a guy that can win on this matchup and have an, a DB turn around completely. On a route, yep. that's just remarkable. <laughs> that, that that was unbelievable what he did, and then of course we saw what he did after the catch. He can definitely make dividends, converting third downs, and also be a big piece on what Sean McVay wants to do on offense. So the Rams picking up where they left off as the reigning NFC title champions last year, and then last night, you know, the, the Eagles and the Falcons, Mike. Um, for some reason, Mike, is this every time the Eagles and the Falcons meet up, it always comes down to last minute to fourth down. A couple years back to back times, it was Matt Ryan trying to hit Julio Jones on a fade route and he dropped it. But this time it was Julio Jones and Matt Ryan in doubt. And on a fourth and three, he takes that slant and he takes all that four three speed he's got to the house. But the roles were reversed. It was actually Carson Wentz who had to convert, convert a fourth down. He didn't. This game was huge. The Falcons had to win this game in their building. They had to get over the hump, beat the Philadelphia Eagles. This was a big win for Dan Quinn's team. And Julio Jones, did boy, did he put the afterburners. They sure did. He was gone. I mean, as soon as he got the ball in his hands and he got a couple blocks, he saw Pater and he said, bye. You just stopped running at that point. But, excuse me, it was a great game. I mean, you know, the, the Falcons came out aggressive in the first half. Carson Wentz continued his trend of, you know, starting off slow in the first half and then picking up steam and uh, and starting to ball out in the second half. But, um, you know, I, I say, I say, I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, Carson Wentz, that's, that's his formula. That, that's how, that's what he's been doing over but against great against elite teams and against good teams in this league, they can come back to bite you. And it came back to bite them against the uh, Falcons yesterday. If if he would have gave me anything more than just three, just three or just six points in the first half, then maybe we could have we could have did something. We could have had some something going for to win this game. But you know, sometimes the Eagles got to start off faster than this because these slow starts. Yeah, these I agree. These slow starts are definitely going to come back to them. You don't have Alshon Jeffrey. You don't have Deshaun uh, Jackson. Obviously, those guys were banged up on the sidelines. But I've got my eyes on Carson Wentz, guy. Uh, uh, guy. 
I know he can ball, but I'm not as high as him as people are. <laughs> I, I don't think he is Mitchell Trubisky, obviously. I think he's much better than Mitchell Trubisky. I'm not against him. He deserves his money, but I've got my eyes on him because these slow starts, not only that, but there are times I've seen, a lot of times I've seen him inaccurate in, in throws where, you know, he's just forcing something, right? There's times where, he he's he's he knows he's got a slide, but he's going head first on on scrambling, and then of course the health issues. You know he's get taking a lot of hits, and you would think, how would he take a lot of hits? He got three Pro Bowlers on that front line, Jason Peters and and Kelsey and Lane Johnson. How how would he take all these hits? And so I've got my eyes on Carson Wentz because everybody's high on him, and, and I I think he's he's got talent. Really, he really does, but. The Philadelphia Eagles gotta be able to protect them, or else you don't want a Deshaun Watson issue in Philadelphia. So I'm keeping my eyes on that as well. Moving on forward for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I feel where you're coming from, man. You know, he, he hasn't he didn't he didn't look great, especially that in that in that first in that first half with those two picks. You no, know, he did, didn't look uh, very accurate as well, and he didn't look very accurate in the first half against the Redskins. But I, I, I got faith in them to pull up to make it happen. Definitely there. That was a recap of week two. Myself. And talk about. And go ahead to week three of the NFL. Just before we talk about our college football recap. The Sevy Podcast Radio Show. Myself and Michael Gray. Inside the studios of WNSC. Go really quick here uh, because time is running out here. Uh, we're going to go Titans and Jags. <laughs> uh, the Titans are a one-and-a-half point favorite on the road against Jacksonville. Um, I, I don't know who to pick. I, I, I... Somebody. <laughs> Can't really pick a toss-up like that. Uh, these two teams are pretty even. Um, give, me the, give me the Titans because the Titans have always beaten the Jaguars. Uh, they can't seem to to the Jaguars' young team can can't seem to beat the Titans even on Blake Bortles. They've got a backup quarterback now um, going in there in Duval. Uh, I I think that Derrick Henry can get going on the ground, and I think the defense will play much better than they did last week. Although they only gave up 19 points, give me the Titans on the road. Give me the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. I think I think this is going to be an ugly defensive game. I think this game is going to come down to about four to five plays that that really turn the game as far as turnovers are concerned. I think this Jaguars team is tired of the noise. I think they I, I don't think they like this losing. I don't think they like the fact that they're only two. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take the Jaguars at home. Okay, we got Jets and the Patriots. I I mentioned that the Patriots have outscored their opponents eighty nine to six. Uh, good luck, Jets. You're struggling with the Browns already. Um, I don't think that theme will change this week. Uh, the Patriots, big. The spread is 19. Uh, they have a chance to balloon this very quick. Yeah, they do. I got, I'm, I'm rolling with the Patriots as well. I don't, I, the Jets the Jets with Sam Donald had no chance of winning this game. Without Sam Donald, they don't stand a chance. They might as well not even show up. I'm giving the Patriots. <laughs> 
Definitely. There we've got the Bengals and the Bills. The Bills are very surprising in the two and You think about the AFC East. You think about the Patriots and the rest. Well, the Bills have something to say about that. Josh Allen getting two big road wins in New York. He may be the face of New York after this. <laughs> they take on the Bengals at home, their home opener. I like the Bills to really do good. I like them to get a couple of defensive touchdowns in this game, too. Got you. I, I like that. I, li- I like the Bills as well. I think they ride that home crowd after being on the road uh, the first two games. And and, and, and I, the Bills, I'm not going to lie to you, look like the best team in New York right now. And, it, and to be honest with you, I, I like them against Cincinnati as well. I, I don't really see Cincinnati putting up too much of a fight in this game. I like I like Buffalo. All right. And then, of course, we've got the lonely, winless Dolphins. Boy, we remember where they were the undefeated Dolphins. So you can go undefeated and you can go winless with the Dolphins, right? That's that's pretty funny. They're going to go into Dallas against the triplets of Amari, Zeke, and Cooper. Good luck. Goodbye. Uh, the spread is 21. I like them to cover. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I'm gonna roll with the Dallas Cowboys. They, they'll cover, <laughs> they'll handle their business, and they'll they'll do their thing. They're going against a very inferior opponent. I expect the Dallas to win big. Definitely, the Dallas Cowboys uh, definitely should take care of business. I probably see Zeke Elliott jumping uh, oh, to the ooh. army. Uh, maybe donate himself again. Probably oh, <laughs> and that, yeah. a lot. And then, of course, you got the Broncos and the Packers. The Broncos are 0-2. I don't like this to change. This has to be the game that they win because the, the odds aren't really good. Teams that are start 0-3, only 11 of them have made the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Broncos are. Green Bay at home in Lambeau, tough place to play. Give me Rodgers in the pack. Give me Aaron Rodgers in the pack as well. I think that this I think that this this game will be very competitive. I actually think this game will be very, very competitive. I think it's gonna be a close game. I think the Broncos are gonna give them their best shot. But I think Aaron Rodgers is gonna be too much for in this Packers defense. It's gonna be too much for the Broncos. I'm gonna go with the Packers. Although keep keep your eye on this uh, Denver defense. They can make it very interesting early. Yep. And- and see if they can tighten their screws up. The Falcons and the Colts, I think the Falcons here are in upset alert. And going into Indianapolis, Indianapolis right now is really um, feeling, loving how they, they're rolling right now. They got a big road win. This right here is going to be their home opener. I know that in that dome, in Lucas Oil Stadium, they're going to try to defend the turf. But again, the Falcons, they play on turf as well. I think they get the job done. I expect a big day through the air for Matt Ryan. Give me the Falcons in a very close one on an upset. Says so, Sebi, we we agree. I agree with all your sentiments. This 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 will this had they have a chance to be on upset alert. The Colts will play very well and and compete highly in this game. But I'm gonna give the Falcons a slight edge. I think they win to win this game in the fourth quarter. I'm going with Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Arguably the game of the day, arguably the game that I hope doesn't disappoint. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens head to Barbecue City, to Kansas City. Last year when they did this, the Ravens were in position to win the game. If it wasn't, 48 yards, Tyree Kill from Patrick Mahomes, running right, throwing across his body 60 yards downfield to left. Tyree Kill picks it up. The Ravens and the Chiefs here. Boy, this is really tough. Uh, I'm going to roll with 
Patrick Mahomes. It, it, the Chiefs are at home. I guess that's just the difference maker here. If it was in Baltimore, I might have taken the Ravens, but the Chiefs at home, Andy Reid, and that might be the loudest place in the NFL to play in. Give me the Chiefs in a very close one. Sebi, give me the Baltimore Ravens. Give me the Ravens in a dogfight. This will be another dogfight just like it was last year in Kansas City. But I, I think the Ravens will find a way to, to pull it out this time. You know, the, this defense is grimy. They're, 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 they're physical. And I think they're going to get after Patrick Mahomes in his offense and make it tough for him. I, I, I like the Baltimore Ravens to steal one on the road. Wow, wow, wow. What would that be? A running back being 3-0. and <laughs> <laughs> What would the media say in regards to this? Okay. From there, we go to Minnesota, the Purple Monsters. <laughs> They're hosting the Raiders, the Vikings. Uh, I, I know they want to make amends for that last drive that they had in Lambeau last year, last week. I like Dalvin Cook to continue to run the football the way he's been and continue to make fantasy owners like myself happy. Give me the Vikings at home. The Purple Monsters on defense. I like him to really get after Derek Carr. Yeah, give me the Vikings at home as well. But, Sebi, I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be one of those games that surprise a lot of people. I think the Oakland Raiders are going to make this game very competitive. Uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be one of those one of those games where it's gonna the Vikings are gonna have to earn it. You know, nothing's gonna be given in this game. I'm going with the Vikings, but it's gonna be very tough. Very tough there as well. The Lions and the Eagles that we have here as well. Philadelphia going back home. I know they they have a bittersweet taste on how the game ended in Atlanta last week. They played Detroit. It's on the road, and you know how I feel about Detroit on the road. Must I say less? The Eagles and Lincoln Financial Field, I like them to win and win big. I like them to win big as well. I think they get Deshaun Jackson back, excuse me, along along without Sean Jeffrey. Carson Wentz gets some gets a week to heal up. Uh, give give me the Eagles to win this game as well. I think I think it, it'll be close early on, but I think later on in the second half, the the Eagles will pull away from this game. The Carolina Panthers and the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. If you thought this is easy, they should be an upset alert as well. I like Kyler Murray here at home. I like the Arizona Cardinals to see red. David Johnson, I like what I saw last week, although the Ravens run defense is really stout. Christian Kirk to get involved in the ageless wonder in life. Fitzgerald, Kyler Murray. Really stood out to me last week. I like them to get their first win at home. Yeah, I like the Cardinals as well. I think they ride off this momentum. I think they realize how special of a quarterback that they have right now with this number one pick in Kyler Murray. I think they're starting to. I think it's starting to come together for them. And you know, I saw something in the fourth quarter against the Detroit Lions in Arizona that I haven't seen in Arizona in a long time, and that was a home crowd. You know what I mean, it's hard to see a home crowd in Arizona because. A lot of times Arizona plays at home and it feels like they're on the road because it's a lot of road fans in there. But I saw something special with that home crowd and they really embraced them and they realized that they have something special. I think Kyler Murray comes in and does the same thing. I'm, I'm going with the Cardinals as well. Wow, that would be huge, 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 thing, huge things for the Cardinals because, I mean, Kyler Murray, he is absolutely a very special talent to watch for sure. So it would be amazing to see him get his first win under Cliff Kingsbury for sure for the Arizona Cardinals. Things to look out as well for them. The Giants at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
your Giants on the road in Tampa. Hot place to play, Mike. I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. They got a big win. It's a very wide open NFC South now with, with, with what the Saints are doing and, and how not having Drew Brees. Um, Bruce Arians, it's hot. It's in Tampa. I don't think the Giants are used to that kind of inclement weather. I'll, I'll take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. The Giants have a lot of work to do. We have a lot, a lot of things we need to get straight before we become a team that can be, you know, relevant against others. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. When you have Saquon, you have a chance, right? So we'll see what happens out there. Yeah, we gotta give him the ball. Yep, gotta give him the ball. Uh, more like 25, 30 times now, if you're Pat Shermer, for sure. The Texans and the Chargers. This is a, a big, big game. The Texans and the Chargers here. Um, I'm going to take the underdog here. I'll take the Texans on the road here. They're the underdogs. They're one and one. Uh, they, I, I like what I saw. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't like what I saw last week, but two weeks ago in New Orleans on the road. I think Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback on the road than at home, which is actually – you know, strange to think. He's already played in big, big road games in Clemson. He's played in big road games in neutral sites games against Alabama. He's used to this. It's NLA. The Chargers are at home. Phillip Rivers does play really good at home. But I, I think a psychology, a psyche thing that not having Melvin Gordon is going to cost them. Give me the Texans on the road. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll take yeah, I, yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, I like the Texans on the road as well. I'm really not liking that Melvin Gordon's not there, and I think it's going to hurt the Chargers, and it's starting to hurt them as well. And I think it might it might come earlier than expected. I I, I like I like the Texans to win this game. I actually like them to win this game big. Wow, wow, wow! Big, big, big things for coming out there <laughs> from Michael Gray. The Steelers heading out west. The Pittsburgh Steelers are heading out west to the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are seven point favorites here at home. A, a sizzling start to their season. Not having Big Ben on the road, you have uh, uh, the your not rookie quarterback, but you know your your backup quarterback on the road in a hostile environment. His first career start against the 49ers against that nasty front four. I like the Niners here, and I like some defensive touchdowns as well. I do too, man. I'm not gonna lie to you, Sammy. This game can get ugly quick. I mean, Mason Rudolph, your first starting NFL career, you got to go up against this defensive line? Oh, man. I, I think they're going to have a field day against the team. Now, granted, it's going to be a battle up front because that Steelers offensive line is no joke, and they can get after it as well. But I'm, I'm going with the 49ers. I think Jimmy G and his offense and this 49ers team is going to have something to say. I think they I think they put their stamp on this season early on in this game. I'm going with the 49ers. What a game this would be if it was Drew Brees versus Russell Wilson, right? But it isn't. It's the Saints going in to the 12th man in Seattle. Seattle has looked really good, especially on offense. They can run it. They can throw it. They can hold the ball for uh, and, and play, put time of possession. Not a lot of things to expect for the Saints offense on the road. If they think Bridgewater had a hard time in L.A., good luck in Seattle. I like Seattle here. And I think the line is actually quite small. I like Seattle big in this game. I, I think New Orleans can be competitive for maybe a quarter and a half or so. Then after that, I think Seattle will take care of business and handle the handle theirs. I'm going with Seattle. The big, 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 big sat, sat Sunday night, excuse me, game is the biggest game in Cleveland history. 
You know, you're going to have guys like Drew Crazy, <laughs> Drew Casey going to be sp- singing Cleveland Rocks, Cleveland Rocks, because the Browns are hosting their first ever national televised game on a Sunday night game in 25 years. They're hosting the Los Angeles Rams. They're coming into town into the dog pound. This is tough because I think the Browns have a lot to prove here. They know it's a Sunday night game. It's the first ever in almost nearly three decades, but the Rams just looked so good. They have. They look so good. But you know what? I'm going to take the Browns here. The Rams aren't really good on the road. I know they they got some big road wins last year in New Orleans, in Carolina uh, this year. I I, I know that, but the Browns, they're going to be playing with so much emotion. I like Baker, Landry, and also Odell to get on the scoreboard. My heart tells me the Rams, but I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to take the Browns here. I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams. I really don't see a scenario. Yes, they're going to come out hype. They're going to come out with emotion. They're going to come out and handle their business early. They're going to they're gonna come out fiery. But this Rams team is just on a different level. And then, like you said, the addition of Cooper Cup and these guys, uh, I mean, we pick your poison with this Rams offense. They're going to be able to do whatever they want against this Cleveland Browns defense. I'm going to go with the, the Los Angeles Rams to win this win this game on the road. I, I expect them to win by double digits. Wow, wow, wow. Big things. Spoiling the Browns festivities of their first ever national televised game at home. Tonight being their first ever in almost two decades overall in the Meadowlands, which they're actually leading right now, just to give you an update, 16-3 to three yeah. in favor of the Cleveland Browns for sure. And then, of course, on next Monday night, we've got the Bears and the Redskins. This is really tough here. The Bears coming from that very, very emotional, emotional win in Denver. That defense, Mike, it's historically good. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It, it's really good. You got Prince Mukamara. You got Eddie Jackson. You've got Raekwon Smith. You've got Akeem Hicks. And, of course, you got the Mac Daddy himself and Khalil Mack. I think the defense is going to win this game for the Chicago Bears on the road. I don't trust Mitchell Trubisky. You know how I feel about him, but I do trust that vaunted elite defense that of the Bears that consider themselves the monsters of the midway. I like them to go into the nation's capital and win this ball game in a very ugly, ugly defensive game. Wow, I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebi. This is a tough game because on one, <laughs> this is a very tough game because on one hand, I'm like, okay, the the Bears, okay, Mitchell Trubisky hasn't looked good throughout this season, but if it's ever a team that he can actually get his rhythm going and look good against, it's the Washington Redskins. But then on the other hand, that you have the Washington Redskins are a team that when everything fails, when they have they 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 have the a tendency to beat teams that they have no business beating, and this is this uh, one of those situations. They're at home on a Monday night against the Bears team that can be had. Uh, oh, it's dicey. I, I, I'm going with a tie. This is going to be a tie. I, 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 can't, I, can't pick, I can't pick the win. I'm going with a tie. Wow, wow, wow. So, Michael Gray going with a tie here, of course. What was our record last week? I, I know that uh, – I know week one. Week one, I was eight and eight. I don't know. What you, I, last week, uh, week two, I, I know – I know you had the, the 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 49ers. I had the Bengals, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, you had. Um, we both messed up on the Colts one. Right. Um, we messed up on that. We messed up on the Steelers one. Right. But I I think I, I think you did fairly good 
Um, pretty much, we me- we messed up on the Broncos for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, overall, I think I think you did really good. I actually pretty struggled pretty pretty much, but you did really good on on this one. We we obviously got the Jets wrong. And we didn't know. Sam yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to yeah, yeah. We made that pick before Sam. I remember I tweeted out to you. I said, man, I might have changed my pick now because I don't see that Browns without Sam Donald. Yeah. Picking the Browns without Sam Darnold was disastrous. But one thing we know disastrous isn't us because those were our week three picks. Myself and Michael Gray, we switched gears to the collegiate game when we come back. A lot of teams making way up, climbing into that top 10. It isn't November yet. It isn't December. The committee hasn't made anything yet, but a lot of teams are trying to make their statements. We'll talk about it up next inside the studios of WNSC. Hi, I'm Alwyn Morgan Jr. with Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And I would love to give a special thanks to the SEBI Podcast crew and all that they do to keep me update with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If this sounds like you, please reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs, and be sure to let us know that SEBI Podcast sent you. Thank you. Studios UWNSC, myself and Michael Gray for our final segment here today on the Seven Podcast Show. But before we do that, our last segment today is actually sponsored by, of course, Revamp Barbershop. We haven't mentioned them for a while now. Revamp Barbershop, Ricky Chandler, and the entire gang located on the campus of Central Florida. Of course, from beards to to fades, uh, to the army <laughs> haircut, uh, to low cuts, you name it, you got it. You want to get your beard done. You want to get your edges. We also welcome females as well, as they said, and Revamp Barbershop. If you're looking for your hair done, Revamp Barbershop may be the place for you there. We also want to give a special shout out to Pride X in honor. The big, 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 of course, performance that she's got going on this Saturday night out here in the bright lights of Central Florida down here in downtown Orlando. We asked everybody in the community to come out there. She wanted me to specifically say that to all of our listeners and all of our audience here. Pride and Honor live in concert in downtown Orlando this Saturday night. I will be there in attendance there for you. And speaking of Central Florida, Mike, nobody in the collegiate polls made a bigger jump than Central Florida and UCF. They put a beat down. This Taylor Gabriel, uh, not Taylor, uh, Dylan Gabriel guy, second career start as a quarterback. We know that, uh, you know, Brandon Wimbush, the transfer from Notre Dame, uh, he got hurt for an ankle injury. But this guy, I, I like the way he just comes in the game. He starts flinging that thing, Mike. I looked up, I'm like, he's going deep again like <laughs> i'm like i'm in the press box hanging hanging out 
eating some good food. I look up and he's slinging, slinging that football. I like what I saw from UCF. And, and the, the concerns I had, Mike, was how would a very light and very dull UCF offensive line go against a Pac-12 defense? Pretty much like, a, you know, a power five, like an NFL type defensive line in the trenches and they just dominated they held up their own on offense and on defense they played fast they played loose they didn't hesitate they got after KJ, uh, KJ Costello they got a couple pick uh, a couple picks and a couple turnovers uh, UCF is has to like what they're going up they moved from 17 to 12 in the latest polls and they're making quick noise trying to knock on the door in that top 10. Well, well deserved too for for UCF. They they deserve this spot and the shine. <coughs> excuse me, that they're getting right now because they've earned it. You know, they, they they they've continued to win. They've continued to thrive. They've continued to uh, compete at a high level, and they built they're building this uh the the organization up to a high level now. And you know, I, I'm I'm proud of the strides that they're making. I like seeing the underdog story in the team. You know, start start at the bottom and then climb their way up. It's amazing to watch them. Continue and now beating not only beating teams but dominating teams like Stanford uh, on national TV is is special. It's special to see the biggest uh, knock on UCF to most of the media members and most of the you know uh, analysts uh, last year was the competition that they faced, saying that they didn't face the best competition and this, that, and the third. But you know, going this year, I feel like you know they they'll have a, uh, more of an opportunity to prove those people wrong and, and and prove to the doubters that they belong, you know, in, the, in that 15 conversation. And I think they do. I think they'll only continue to go up. I think before the season's over, they'll find their way in the top 10 and, 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 and things, things like that. And I, it's big. I got a big host of this UCF team. They, they look like one of the most dominant teams in college football right now. And, and of course, there's no question that they're the best non-power five group of five uh, team in the nation right now for what they've done in the last three seasons, what Dana White has done changing this program, getting guys like uh, Scott Frost, who's now in Nebraska and getting guys like Josh Heifold to transfer from Missouri here from an SCC school to bring that culture here into UCF has paid major dividends. And and this is what the Knights wanted, Mike. They they wanted to, uh, you know, eradicate all the naysayers saying that, oh, our schedule is weak. We can only control what's in front of us. They said, you know what, start giving us some group of five, some some power five, excuse me, uh, teams to play for. Give us the Pac-12. Give us a couple non-conference teams like in the Big 12. Give us some SEC teams. They're praying from Alabama. Be careful for what you wish. <laughs> They're praying Please. for others, uh, other uh, ACC teams, but they wanted to control their own destiny and have a say so when early December comes and they're trying to get their spot into the top four. And and again, the, the, the debate's going to come out, Mike. This is why for teams like UCF, for the Boise's of the world, you got to expand to an eight-team playoff because these teams will never have an opportunity to showcase what they have. Always stuck in the old rituals, the BCS, the the, the, the college football, uh, you know, power five conference where it's always chalk. So I, I think that debate is always going to come out. So great win for UCF. Uh, they've got Pitt this week, an ACC team that they wanted to have on their schedule. Pitt isn't, you know, Clemson or anything like that, but it, it's still an ACC team. And I think that can definitely help their resume.
Oh, it definitely can. And this pit team, this Pittsburgh game is going to be tough. It's going to be very competitive, very physical. This is a very physical Pittsburgh team. Their defensive line is very tough as well. And uh, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup for them. And, you know, UCF is just – not, not only are they impressive, but they're so fun to watch. They are yeah. a very entertaining football team to watch, man. And, you know, I, I look forward to seeing what they do here on up. Yeah, I, I mean, 31 – up 31 at halftime against Stanford – that is just impressive in its own, but they are fun to watch, Mike. I mean, you look up, lightning strike, they score. Yeah, <laughs> that old Oregon offense with Mariota and 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 what's his name, Chip Kelly. That's what it reminds me of. Yep. definitely here. You know, <laughs> speed kills in Orlando. That should be fun. Uh, other notable games: Clemson against Syracuse. This was <laughs> supposed to be, uh, you know, one of the marquee games in the ACC this year, a very vastly improved Syracuse team. They haven't been what they were supposed to be this year. They've got some bad losses thus far um, early on. Um, but they, they mentioned that this was Clemson's last hurdle for <laughs> potentially an undefeated season. And, I mean, I, I think they passed the game with flying colors. Now, I'll say this. I mean, Trevor Lawrence threw two picks, of course. Um, he's thrown a lot more picks than I thought that he would. Obviously, I picked him to win the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, right now, if I had to pick, I think Jalen Hurts and oh, yeah. uh, and Joe Burrow is in that discussion. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a guy like Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. You know, maybe those guys are in the lead at the moment. But, um, I, you know, Clemson hasn't played Clemson football as great as they played Saturday night in the Carrier Dome, right? Yeah. It, that defense – and how uh, Brett Venable has done it. And I like what he's done, Mike. They knew that the strength of their defense last year when they won the title was that front seven. Well, now it's the secondary. It's it's the linebackers and it's the corners and safeties. And so they brought different looks left and right to the Syracuse quarterback. The offense can get nothing done in New York. And Trevor Lawrence... You know, four TDs throwing to those special receivers. T. Higgins, six receptions for a buck fifty. You can't do nothing. You got six five on one end. You got six four on the other end. You're just throwing it up top, and they're going up and and you know trying to locate the football and just grabbing it in the midair. Clemson, it's just light years over any program in college football outside of Alabama, and they really put on a show in Syracuse, in New York. Yeah, they sure did. I, I I'm actually I was actually uh, sick. Uh, with the college football and NCAA for making that a national TV game. That wasn't a notable game. And we knew that wasn't a notable game coming in. Syracuse had no business and could not hang with Clemson. I don't care how good they are. Clemson is probably the best team in college football outside of Alabama. And, and, and Syracuse has no business even being in the same conversation with them as possibly a notable game. Nobody picked Syracuse to win that game. It, it, it was It was not competitive. But we knew it wasn't going to be competitive, so um, you know, I, I was mad that it was a, it was a late game. Clemson handled their business; they did what they had to do. I was just sad that it, I, 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 that my Saturday night was taken up by that type of game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, well, it, I, I guess when the, when it came out, it was supposed to be a big game because Syracuse was supposed to be a really good team, and from what they did down the stretch last season. I guess they were in hopes that that would translate to this year, but unfortunately it hasn't yet. So a very weak ACC, and they claim that this was the last hurdle. I, I, That's I will, funny. 
I will say this, Sebi, about about Clemson though. I don't think we'll ever see their best competition until they run up against their best competition. Sometimes right. when you're going up against a team that's not as inferior to you, you might not play as well, or you might not focus up, or you might not be as locked in as you normally would be. But when you go against, well, trust me, when they go against tough teams or a, a team that's on their caliber, like an Alabama or you know someone of that caliber, oh, that's when you'll see the best Clemson. Everybody will be locked in. Right, right. Dabo Swinney has a way to definitely recruit his men, his young men that are all teens in college football. One of them were better coaches in college football and, and just um, a, a coach of men. And that's Dabo Swinney, mm-hmm. what he's done. Maybe he can take the title away from Nick Saban as the premier head coach of college football right now. Uh, other big things that stood out, the Florida Gators, they, they might be losing their their quarterback and Felipe Franks, they had to survive in Lexington against Kentucky. Oh yeah, um, and so that that was a, a nail biter there. Um, so we'll see where where that goes, Olan. And other than that, I mean, there wasn't really a lot in in week three of of college football to talk about. Um, a lot of blowouts. Yeah. Um, Ohio State looks good with Justin Fields. I don't know how he transferred from Georgia. Uh, so. Uh, keep an eye out for that, but um, not a lot to talk about. But speaking of Georgia, Mike, this week, um, that's where you know college game day is going to be. College game day is going to be in Athens, Georgia. Mm-hmm. This is going to. You wanted a, a marquee matchup to to wait for, Mike, on Saturday night. I think you're going to want to tune in. It's going to be two top ten teams: Notre Dame. That's right, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Brian Kelly's team takes a trip to Athens, Georgia to take on the Bulldogs. That's Saturday night. Okay. That's going to be an exciting matchup. You've got that really good Georgia team <laughs> that can run the football, that can play really good defense. You got Brian Kelly. And my eyes is on Brian Kelly because I know he can coach. I'm not saying he's a bum. But when big games matter, his teams never show up. And and that has always been the knock for them. I, I, I can recall Paul Feinbaum. A very notable guy, Paul Feinbaum. Right. He said that he doesn't believe that, uh, you know, Notre Dame should ever be in a college football again. They went to the title game a couple years ago with Everett Goldson. They got walloped. I think it was that. That was the year when, um, gosh, what's his name, Manti Teo yes. finished second in Heisman. They they got killed forty two zero, and then last year they got killed by Clemson thirty to three in the national semifinal. And he said that Notre Dame has been great for all these years in regular season, but never show up in the postseason in meaningful games. And he's got his eye on Brian Kelly. They should not ever be in the uh, eligible to play in the college football playoffs again. Well, Brian Kelly has a chance to rewrite the narrative of big game Saturday night in Athens in Georgia. I'll be ready. Oh, yeah, I, I will too. And you're absolutely right. That's motivation right there for Notre Dame. I'm sure that's something that they've played in their locker room and it's been a uh, topic of discussion for the entire offseason, and they've used that as motivation coming into this season. And uh, I expect it to be a, a dog fight. I expect Notre Dame to come out and try to win this game because they win this game, then that shuts everything up because they beat a top SEC team, a top three team at that. So it's going to be major. I, trust me, I'm tuned in. I'm tuned in to this Saturday night game for sure. Oh, this is huge for both teams. I mean, <laughs> if Georgia wins – uh, that that's a top 10 school that it goes on your resume come late November, early December, you're trying to get into the playoffs as a, maybe a one loss team, maybe a two loss team. We all know about the, you know, 
the superiority that the SEC gets already. So to win this game would be huge. And then, of course, if Notre Dame were to go at their building and win, that would be huge for them as well. So, um, you know, a lot of things at stake. I think this is one of those college football in and out matchups. So yep. the winner may be outside looking in, though. The, the, the loser, should I say, should be outside looking in, but the winner may be setting themselves up uh, for a good run to get into the playoffs um, there as well. And that was pretty much going to be ready to watch this this matchup. You talk about the quarterbacks, Jake Fromm versus Ian Book. Things yeah. to watch out for, Mike. Oh, yeah. I love Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm has been one of the most consistent quarterbacks for the past few years. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just I'm just glad to see the maturation process of his game. And, the young guy, Book. I, I want to see what Book looks like on prime time and in the big light. So, we'll get right. It'll be a great matchup. We'll see. Definitely. Notre Dame and Georgia, marquee matchup in week four college football. We'll definitely be ready for it. And as we leave here, Mike, last remarks, I look up, I see Baker Mayfield, 89 yards to Odell Beckham Jr. The Browns are just having fun right now. Odell Beckham and his return to New York is having fun. Already a big day. So, uh, um, I, it it has been a welcome party for him back in New York. Yeah, it sure has. It's sad to see him see him go like that, but I'm glad to see him balling out doing his thing. And also, I should have picked the Browns this game. <laughs> <laughs> we should have indeed. Odell Beckham Jr. four receptions, a buck forty three, and a touchdown, having himself DBs as well but one thing we know for sure is for myself and mike here we have in ourselves our own should i say our own field day and that is podcast show. we want to say so long from now outside the studios of wnsc You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info some cool merch if you want to dm us and send us all of your email requests we'll be sure to get them here on the sebi podcast experience and remember folks whether you're listening on air or viewing online sebi podcast is wherever you go and that is the slogan